episode 47, Vintage Basketball Card Collector and Dealer, Jim Doyle. Bonus. Okay, so this is going to be the shortest intro that I've ever done because this podcast recording does go over an hour and I want to get right to it because I thought it was just such a fantastic uh, recording with someone that I never met or knew about and had no clue what I was getting myself into. That all said, the reason I wanted to cut this quick intro is to say uh, we did have some technical difficulties uh, with respect to some delay in um, the question and answers, uh, you know, the little bits of data going back and forth. Uh, the Wi-Fi signal uh, was maybe not so strong uh, at my guest's uh, abode. So bear with us. Um, I'm not going to edit this or cut anything out. I, that's just way too hard for me to do. So thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy this. Uh, I thought it was just so fantastic. So thank you so much. All right, welcome to a bonus episode of the podcast, The Car Diary by Hobby S. Thompson. Definitely somewhere in the top 100 of hobby podcasts. I am your host, Denny Cards, the self-proclaimed hobby, jack of all trades, master of none. And you could be listening to any podcast in the world right now, but you're here with me. But today I have a special guest as well. So please allow me to explain how we got here. Okay, so here we go. A couple of weeks back, I hit 6,000 followers on Instagram. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for all the support and love. And instead of putting up a really nice card up as a giveaway, like a lot of people do, I, I decided to do something different because that's how I operate, I guess, sometimes. So I decided to put up a podcast guest spot up for a random drawing. I think uh, about seven people joined. I, I knew I knew most of them. And then against all odds, one of the few people I did not know ended up winning. But then I went back to my DMs and I was like, wait a minute, we actually DM'd before. And he actually had a card that I wanted. It was like a Fleer Retro PMG. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like we have to- totally talked before. And and then I realized he actually listens to this podcast, too. So just double awesome. His uh for, for folks who are watching on YouTube, because I do plan on uploading this up on YouTube, his uh, Instagram handle is Doyle underscore 11 underscore cards on Instagram. His bio on Instagram says that his first job was sorting cards at Rotman Collectibles in, in ooh, I got to get this right, in Wusta. Wusta. Took a few years off from cards. <laughs> is that That's right, right? It's Wusta. Worcester, yeah, yeah. So Worcester. that is, yeah, that's a, it's a colloquial uh, it pronunciation. Not gonna say city. was not gonna say Worcester for sure. Um, I know my, yeah. I know Boston yeah. a little bit, <laughs> so the Massachusetts area. Um, he collects vintage wax and old school basketball. Uh, he's a collector, and he's also um, from when I talked to him, he's also a dealer, which is amazing. So I can't wait to talk to him about this. He. Um, He's going to be dealing at the Boston Sports Card Show in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Uh, he's uh, looks like, based on his Instagram uh, feed, he is going to be selling vintage basketball cards and memorabilia. Bobby Orr signed at rookies. I even saw like a type. I think it was a top type one photo of of Wilt Chamberlain, and also sealed graded wax from the '80s. I just think it's so awesome. 
So I wanted to welcome my special guest today, Jim Doyle. Welcome to the pod. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me. And um, I'm excited to kind of share some of my insights uh, in the hobby. And um, yeah, hopefully it's informative and uh, educational and uh, have some fun. And uh, yeah, so I, I deal mainly in old basketball, uh, vintage um, basketball cards with a little bit of uh, old wax uh, packs and uh, boxes and uh, collected back as a kid, you know, pretty heavily had, a, you know, worked at a card store and then stopped with cards for about 25 years. And then probably two or three years ago, got back into it pretty, pretty seriously. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a fun, uh, fun re-entry and uh, met a lot of great people and had a lot of fun, built, built up my personal collection. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been enjoyable. Love to hear it. So Rotman Collectibles, is it still uh, open or is it one of those kind of it's gone to wayside? Uh, I think I couldn't quite hear that. I think it, oh, the I'm internet so might have cut out a little on my oh, end. Oh, boy. All right. Hopefully okay. this won't be too much of an issue. So here we go. Um, in your bio, it said that your first job in the hobby, or just in general, was sorting cards at Rotman Collectibles in Wooster. So I was wondering, is Rotman Collectibles still available? I mean, is it still open? Oh, so uh, un unfortunately, it did uh, close uh, maybe 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, so it... Um, it was open for many, uh, probably 30 years or so. And then uh, it survived, you know, through the junk wax era. And then uh, after that, there were, it, it eventually, before, you know, before the COVID boom happened again, it um, uh, is no longer in, in, in business, unfortunately. Gotcha. Okay. And you said uh, you took uh, 25 years off from cards. When you when in your bio, when it said you took a few years off, I thought it was like maybe like six or seven, but you really, you really unplugged for a couple of decades there. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I have, uh, you know, I have a family now, so that took up a lot of my time, but now they're a little bit older. So I'm, I'm able to, uh, uh, spend a little more time and energy and uh, resources in, uh, back into the hobby. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, as someone who has a young family, I'm just like, I, I don't even know how or why I do this. People who have even younger kids who are, you know, um, you know, not even of school age. I, I'm just like, I don't even know how people do it. But you know what? We, I think it just means that we love this hobby so much. So, um, you know, just everyone who's able to make it. I mean, it's wonderful. It's it's a wonderful place. And I know that speaking for myself, like I just feel like it's really invigorated me and allows me to tap into my creative side and my, you know, sides that I normally wouldn't get in outside of the hobby. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yes, yeah, I, um, I, I, it's great for me because I get to meet a lot of uh, interesting people and uh, some characters and uh, a lot of people that share the interest in the in the hobby and uh, yeah, met uh, quite a few people that have become friends now. You know, you know friends mm -hmm. outside, not just in in the cards and um, 
yeah, it's, uh, it's been a certainly enjoyable experience. And uh, yeah, I've certainly never would have guessed I'd be doing, you know, podcasts and things like this, you know, yeah. even just a few years ago. So speaking of, this is not your first podcast. You, uh, I remember you sent me uh, through DM like a link to a podcast you've been on before. I mean, usually I would have to pay people to uh, plug their podcasts. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but if you want to tell me, like, uh, how did you feel like, if you want to explain which podcast and, you know, when it was, uh, I listened to uh, a good deal of it. I just didn't finish it right before we started recording. But did you want to talk about your first podcast experience and, you know, who it was with? Oh, oh sure. So it was with, um, uh, his name is Nick uh, Andrews. He's a uh, he's a collector that uh, recently finished uh, collecting the 1986 Fleer uh, autograph set. So he, he has the entire set autographed. And then once he completed that, he moved on to uh, attempting to finish the 1969 Topps Basketball Tall Boy autograph set, which he's still in the midst of. And um, he's, uh, I forget how many he has left, but it's a challenging uh, set because back in the 60s and 50s, basketball wasn't quite as big as, as baseball and football, some of the other sports. So uh, and also just even getting cards autographed uh, was very rare. It was almost frowned upon <laughs> because it was not, it seemed to, you know, some some old school collectors would, would argue that it kind of ruined the value of the card. So there, uh, some of the obscure players uh, from that 69 set, they were not a lot of, not many copies were ever autographed, probably even fewer survived and uh cards the set has 99 cards so there's um there's a few that they're you know pop one two or three you know very few copies that he's he's trying to ch kind of chase down so we had met um i think we had met just on instagram and he was looking actually for a jerry rice no a jerry west rookie card to get autographed he had a friend that was doing a signing and um so he saw I had a couple on Instagram and he reached out and um, ended up buying a West uh, rookie low grade, but nicely centered. And, um, and then he just, you know, had followed my page and said, Oh, well, I'm trying to, you know, grow this podcast. And he, we have, you know, some more interest in the vintage basketball realm. And uh, yeah, he reached out and it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. He, um, uh, yeah, he said he's gotten good feedback on it too. And he's, he actually, he's got some pretty good guests. He just had Jeff Wilson, the sports card investor on, uh, last week, I think it was, um, said Walt Frazier and, yeah, uh, wow. to, a few other, you know, decent names and he's, he's kind of a nice guy. It was, it was, it was fun. So then when I saw your contest, I thought, what the heck, I'll, uh, put my name in the, in the hat, so to speak. Absolutely. I'm glad you won. Uh, I, I got to say, uh, I've eaten at uh, Walt Frazier's, uh, I forget what it's called, like wine and dine. They have like a half court basketball court inside the restaurant. It's in the Hell's Kitchen in New York City. Uh, we, we've eaten there a couple of times, uh, buddies oh, and I, who are in a fantasy basketball league back when I used to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, fond memories uh, of that. Man, if you got Walt, Walt Frazier, I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, Jeff Wilson, big name in the hobby, but to get to get uh, you know, round ball royalty in there, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. And you, yeah, yes, and I think oh, and he had the other one was Adrian Dantley, and he, oh. he he was just telling funny stories about um, you know, 
people trying to buy his old uh, MVP trophies and such, wow. you know, different his old jerseys and things like that. So it was kind of funny to hear someone from a different era of basketball. Uh, it was very candid in the in the pod with Nick. Yeah, well, I mean, you and I definitely. Uh, so we don't go in the same lanes. So I'm modern and ultra modern, but mostly modern, like '90s basketball and pre Panini, like early 2000s basketball. Uh, but we, we share the common interest and love of basketball. So you're vintage. Um, I know, see, I don't even know. Let's talk about this. Where would you say the vintage period ends and modern starts? Because I don't know if it's the same for all sports, like basketball, football, baseball. I'm still learning all this too. So when you say you're a vintage collector and you know dealer of vintage basketball cards, like where, what, what era are we talking about? Um, uh, that, that's a good question. That's um, a common question. And I, I think I'm a, a little bit biased uh, just because of my age and <laughs> that I've, mm-hmm. when I was collecting. Um, so I, I tend to think of it as cards uh, from like, the, like 88, 89 Fleer and then back older than that. So like, you know, maybe 86 Fleer, but as into 87, 88, 88 was the last year that they made relatively limited copies of the um, FLIR issue. Uh, and then more generally, I think of in my collecting uh, genre is more like 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, early 80s, like the Bird Magic um, rookie. And um, so, yeah, so it's, and, and it's, it's weird because in basketball, they didn't make many sets. So in the, you know, in the baseball, you have sets every year in the fifties and in basketball, there's really just the 50, there's the 48 Bowman set. Uh, then there's the 57 tops basketball set and then the 61 Fleer. And then there wasn't an, uh, an additional set until uh, 69, 70 basketball set. So there's, um, one of the reasons I moved into basketball is I found it a little less overwhelming. Mm, okay. So you mentioned the 69, uh, it is tops, right? 69 tops. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think they've done like the, almost like the retro thing where, you know, like I've seen Jordan Rodman and, you know, like nineties players on like almost like that. I think it's like the 69 It kind of, has like a it's a white background, a solid color that changes, and then almost like um, I don't know if it's black and white. Let's see, oh man, I should have looked this up before I started this. But um, what what is it about that 1969 set that resonates with you so much? Um, I, I think some of it is the is the color. If it's um, so, I'll just clarify because if it's the the you might be speaking of the 61 if it has like a color on the top almost on a rectangle and it's color on the bottom that's what it is in yes. a rectangle um that, that's it yeah but so um and that's 61 fleer so it's yeah uh, i'm looking at it, it resonates because it, it's very simple yeah so okay yeah so it's um kind of a very simple kind of a classic design um but it has just extraordinary players, uh, yeah, their main rookie cards in, in that set. So because of the, I think I didn't, I might've forgot to mention that when I was listing off the different issues of this basketball series. So there was 48 Bowman 
57 tops, 61 Fleer is probably mm-hmm. one of the most important ones, and then 69 tops. Yes, um, you did so say it that has the, the Jerry West rookie. Uh, Sorry to interrupt <laughs> you, but I, <laughs> I, I, I no, I, I, because I, I know some people were so angry when they were listening to this, when they were like, I can't believe he said the 69 tops. So the 69 tops you had already mentioned, they, those were the tall boy cards. There was other ones where it's a white background, almost like a player uh, making a move, like a nondescript player in the each of the four corners with like a oval color in the middle with the player kind of like in a pose or an action shot. The 61 Fleer, that's the one where that it's the rectangular um, solid color like we're like you're just mentioning. So thank you so much for for clarifying that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I guess I'm a little nervous here too. So. No, no, it's me. It's me. It's not you at all. Please, no, no. You, I'm, I'm the one who's, uh, who's, who's messing up here. Uh, you, you are definitely the, the expert on uh, vintage basketball. I am, I am merely a, a spectator. Or, I mean, I, I love how these cards look. I do have uh, a couple of vintage cards. Um, you know, like you said, like pre 1988 Fleer. But when I when I look at these cards, like they look awesome. They just don't. Um, I guess for me, like you know, I watched. You know, my childhood was watching. You know, like the Jordan Bulls, right? Even though I'm living in New York City at the time, um, I'm just rooting for Michael Jordan and the and the Bulls. Uh, but for you, um, being a little bit older, I don't know how, if you want to say how much older. But who were you watching that you know? Again, like these these cards and sets were resonating with you. Uh, so back in the day, it was uh, like the Celtics, so Larry Bird, uh, Kevin McHale, uh, Robert Parrish, kind of the original, you know, they used to call them the original big three <laughs> before they had the, the second version of the big, big, big three. Uh, I had, you know, have had a few different copies of the Bird Magic rookie card. So that was when I was a kid, that was... Um, like the set that one of the first sets I collected on, unfortunately the cards had a perforation in them. And I, you know, being, Oh, I don't know. I was 14 no. years old or so. <laughs> and I was separated, 16 you years old, I separated them. the cards into individual. Oh. Uh, I did. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, card, cards were meant to be played yeah. with, right? I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy now to hear and say that, but I mean, maybe that's why they were, they are so rare or so coveted is, I mean, you know, like just I don't even know what to call it, but like um, the the you you enjoyed those cards at that time when you did that, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was a different time, and um, yeah, and I I had them in a little. I remember having them in a little Ziploc baggie. It was it was before uh, the time of you know even little. Uh, cart top loaders and little yeah. plastic containers. It was, and uh, I, I, I may still have it somewhere in a box because I, I, you know, was, uh, I kept it for a long time. I don't know if I still have it though after my mom moved oh, out I, of her main house. I, I hope you do. And that's certainly not something that you're selling. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, one, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it, those are your stuff from when you're a kid, right? I mean, and certainly wasn't slabbed, right? I mean, slabbing is such a recent thing um but uh oh yes yeah go ahead yeah. 
Did I lose you there? Uh oh. Uh, I just cut out for a second there. Oh uh, man. Uh yeah I um okay so let's I apologize for that. Um so can I ask you so so before okay bring us back on track here. You did the fabulous amazing thing of actually providing almost like uh uh like a Q and A like questions you wanted to maybe uh, have asked and some you know brief answers that so i could expect maybe what you were going to ask and thank you for doing that you were very prepared to do that um so as you're moving around trying to find a better wi-fi signal um i'll i'll extend for time here a little bit but you know thank you so much for uh providing me that outline of what you wanted to talk about today so i did want to get to that outline uh, right around here on the 20 minute mark. So if I can ask you the following question, Jim, do you, you, you love cards clearly, but you've also recently gotten into dealing. And I wanted to ask you, you know, how long have you been a dealer at shows? And at this point, do you consider yourself a dealer, more of a dealer or more of a collector? Okay, that's a that's a great question. I did hear all that question. Hopefully, uh, yeah, my answer is transmitting through the <laughs> through the Wi-Fi. It's a here. great question because uh, you asked me to ask it. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, because I think as as I got back into the hobby, I was uh, only a solely a collector, say three years ago, and I went to a lot of card shows and. Um, met a lot of great people, met a lot of uh, people that were considered dealers. And uh, I realized if I wanted to continue to accumulate cards that were a little bit outside my uh, price range and my affordability based on my my job, uh, that I would need to kind of have a little bit of a side uh, side gig to, uh, you know, trade and sell and, and make a little bit of money on the side that I primarily just reinvest in more cards. So my, um, my wife's idea is that we, I'm, I'm a, my hobby is net, you know, net neutral, or <laughs> I'm not spending, um, you know, my uh, income on, on cards, but I'm uh, building my collection mainly by kind of trading and flipping and, um, you know, finding things and, making connections with people. So I'm, I'm kind of a hybrid, I guess, I guess I'd consider myself. And uh, I certainly have a new appreciation for, you know, these people that are uh, full-time dealers that are, you know, weekend warriors and they're traveling the country, uh, setting up at shows and, you know, getting hotel rooms and, you know, um, spending, you know, two or three days on the show floor trying to, you know, swing deals and such. And, uh, of a new new appreciation for that so it's uh it's fun but and i, and I, I think it's interesting that i think sometimes you know collectors go to a show and they see you know these dealers where there's a lot of money exchanged and they kind of feel like oh they're they just have it easy they just show up and money falls in their lap but it's you know it takes a lot of uh effort behind the scenes you know to kind of make it happen absolutely and i love that answer because that I think for me, that's what this whole podcast was about is, you know, me trying different things, wearing different hats, uh, shining different lights uh, on uh, shining 
the light on different aspects of the hobby. And early on, I talked about setting up as a dealer, buying, trading, selling, transacting. And I think as I got to be maybe tapping more into my creative side, I kind of got away from that. And I think I want to get back into that a little bit more. Having said that, I think the more you get to do other things, you hopefully gain an appreciation. Like you said, you gain a new appreciation of people who do it full time. You know, I think I definitely consider myself, you know, like a, you know, part-time, almost like a voyeur, almost like someone who is, uh, you know, spectating and then trying to get into the ring or try to be the man in the arena. But people who do it full-time, like, you know, kudos to them. Cause like you said, there's so many implicit costs with travel and, uh, you know, like lodging and also time, right? I mean, there's, you're, you're taking an entire day, an entire weekend to to be immersed completely immersed in cards in a card show and so you know if you're listening right now and you're one of those folks like kudos to you because you know i'm sure you're doing what you love but also that's a lot of time that you take away from family and from other obligations and you do it because you love it and hopefully you do it because you're good at it too so um you know thank you for those who do that because no, that's half of the equation of a really great card show is the dealers. I feel like I might have lost Jim. <laughs> he's he's trying to find the Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, I know, um, and I and I. It's funny. Usually, it's only weather related. We have not had any weather issues here, so um, and I, I even brought my newer work computer home to try oh, to avoid man. this. So, um, but we'll we'll um, we'll try. I guess we'll try to keep plugging. But if it you know if it gets to be a, a, an issue, we can uh, we can abbreviate it if need be. I'm not not sure or, the or try, here. Or try for a different stuff. evening. Yeah, I, I don't want to. You know, you yeah. you won the giveaway. I want to give you the full uh, attention and time on on the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, recording but i mean is this maybe a good time if, if you can hear me say this um could you maybe plug the like you said you wanted to plug the boston show that you're going to be setting as a dealer this weekend oh sure that, uh, that that would be great so yeah so this weekend uh is uh it's actually a three-day show and it's uh friday saturday and sunday uh it's in wilmington mass uh just outside of boston and it's the 36th annual uh, Greater Boston uh, Sports Collectors Card Show. And it was basically started, you know, 36 years ago with a bunch of diehard collectors. I think the first meeting was at someone's house. And then the next year they moved it to like a Holiday Inn. And then within a few years, they were, it's at this large uh, Shriners Auditorium Convention Center uh, where it holds... Uh, I think Mike told me this year there's going to be 350 dealers. Uh, so it, um, and I, I, I do like it because there's a good mix between the vintage and the modern. Uh, as a more primarily vintage collector, a lot of the newer, smaller shows I, I go to tend to be uh, pretty heavy on the uh modern side and so this is you know this is maybe 50 50 or 60 40 even wow. so there's a lot of um uh, vintage dealers and it's yes yeah, so it's unique in that regard too wow that's really awesome 50 50 i i mean i feel like uh this last national i i feel like all i saw was like ultra modern quarterbacks 
in uh, PSA slabs. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is this is just too much. Um, but I'm glad that it's that it's that good of a diverse mix um, up there. So Friday to Sunday. So for folks who, you know, I don't know when they're listening to this, it, it may have already passed November 3rd to November 5th, 2023, right? Correct. Yep. And it's Friday. I think Friday is like noon to seven and then Saturday, I think like nine to five and um, Sunday is I think nine to three or something like that. But there's a website that if you just Google greater Boston sports card show, um, there's okay. a link with, you know, they have big guests and autograph guests and the like too. All right. Well, Nick got a free plug. The greater Boston uh, show got a free plug. Man, uh, I'm just I'm just bleeding dry here with the uh, free plugs. <laughs> so, okay, um, what <laughs> what lessons? So, I, I want to ask you, what lessons have you learned from being on that other side of the table, the dealer side, the vendor side? Uh, so, I, w the one thing I've learned is to uh, just always try to treat people with respect and kind of treat them how, how you would like to be treated. Um, and I, I actually, the first big show I did was it, it was in the Shriners, the same location uh, in April of last year. And I um, met a, a, a dealer that's a full time dealer next to me. And um, I was, you know, very open talking to potential customers about cards and such. And he actually told me afterwards that I was being too honest. I was being too nice to the customers because oh I was God. like telling them, you know, sometimes I would even tell them what I paid for a card and what I was hoping to get for it and such. And um, so I'm certainly still learning and I've, you know, um, no, no, sorry. It's, I want to cut you off process. There. I think every, every show I go to, I learn a little bit more. Jim, Jim, no. Can I just say, I mean, when you say you're learning not to be, as transparent as this other dealer wants you to be i mean like i'm sorry i just if, if you you know you do you and you know do what you think is best but when you say you know that you're possibly going to not i mean look everyone has to do what they need to to you know like make money in the hobby and whatever but i mean i think in order to create those long-term relationships like kudos for you for being transparent i mean there are definitely some people I know who don't want to say how much they got, you know, a card for because they don't want to like because they want to flip it for a lot more. But um, for you to be for you to say that you're actually too open and transparent, like, no, please, we need more of that. That person needs to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, no, I think, you know, that's how I feel too. And um, I mean, my, I have a little more of a long-term, you know, view of things that I think if I, you know, maybe give someone a decent price or a good deal, then maybe someday, you know, down the line, if they, they're going to sell a card or something, they might, maybe, maybe they come to me and sell it to me and, you know, maybe it, it pays off in the, in the long run. Um, and it, it, it definitely has already for me in terms of, um, building relationships and such and um there was a gentleman i met at the uh april show he was a he does uh, eric's his name he does primarily tickets and such and a mutual friend introduced us we had kind of a nice conversation and such and um after the national he i was in the national at the show and he had found out about a, a kind of a rare 
set that a friend of his was going to be selling and he ended up kind of putting a word in for me and connecting me and allowed me to kind of get this um, fairly rare 55 uh, All-American Club set. So it was, it was, you know, it was a way of, you know, building relationships and such. So it was kind of uh, felt like my, you know, my openness and honesty has already started to pay off a little bit. So long-term view. I hope people really get that. Um, there's so much when you see a lot of, and I, I know I'm in the Instagram social media world and I'm making content, but I, I don't make as much content about like flipping and transacting because when you see it in a 90 second reel, nothing against the people who do it, but they just show really quick cuts of, you know, a deal. And it's like, that's just not how people actually talk. That's not how people actually transact. Maybe some people do, right? And I don't know, maybe it is more of the ultra modern uh, cards uh, that, that are flipped that people talk in that way. But like what you just said, like, you know, just building relationships, talking to people, networking, um, you know, you said this was at the national and it got you this, this, what you said is 1955 all American sports club uncut sheet like that's 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 sounds really rare to me like you can only get that through building relationships i think yes yeah no it, it was lucky i mean it, it's um it's a it was a kind of a weird regional set that was made in 55 that you, you basically psa grades them but you hand cut them they're they're issued in a sheet and there's superstars of the day so there's a bill russell card there's a george mike and mickey mantle Mil, uh, jackie robinson so they're uh, and this I had had gotten one set from Heritage, and then this gentleman just, you know, had happenstance to know someone, and and then while I was at the National Life, ended up the I bought so so in in the long stories I bought these two sets, and then proceeded to sell them to two different people that I had met in Chicago um, at the National. So it's, you know, I, I it, it was my first time going, and I, I felt like I kind of got got fort got lucky and, and kind of sort of hit a home run and um, yeah. And, and ended up meeting a, a gentleman from Massachusetts that I'm trying to work some um, work out kind of a consignment situation. And he's, he's given me some stuff for the show this weekend and we're, you know, we were hoping to do some more down the line. So it's um, yeah. And, and I, funny because I've had some people that are like oh don't bother it's so crazy Chicago's so busy or you'll be a little you know a little fish in a big sea and, you know don't do it and and I just said you know what what the heck I roll the dice and um yeah and my buddy Josh uh, uh he's a big non-sport guy he came with me and he you know the two of us kind of learned a lot in four days just kind of <laughs> thrown into the fire so to speak so I mean, if this was your first national, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was mine too. I mean, the, the, the first actual one I was in was 2012 in Baltimore. And then I took a 10, 10 year break, but thrown into the fire. That's a really good way to describe. I feel like that's, that was my experience too. We just, I, I just really went wherever the wind took me. I, I feel like there's so much to do, but I did. Uh, I mean, I keep joking about how I only saw ultra modern football in PSA slabs. But I mean, there was definitely this other area of the national and definitely a diverse, you know, when you get that many dealers, you're going to have all sorts of cards, but I did, I mean, maybe I walked away from the, the, the vendors that had kind of, 
I don't I don't say this in a disrespectful way, but like almost like a flea market type of atmosphere. Like they just had a lot of wax just piled on each other and it just didn't seem as, you know, organized like a, like, you know, showcases of like, again, just slabs upon slabs. But um, would you would you say that that's kind of like where you're more comfortable with, like the, the dealers that have like maybe setups that are kind of like more traditional looking? Um, I, to be honest, I, when I was, um, walking around, I, I kind of tried to focus on, on cases that had some more of the vintage, um, material in it, but it was, it was overwhelming too, because I was set up at a table. So we were, um, kind of set up as dealers. We kind of sub, um, sub rented a space and, um, but it so it was kind of tough because being a more you know like the collector in me wanted to just spend the whole <laughs> whole weekend just looking oh. and you know digging for the next treasure so it was kind of um it was you know it was a challenge but i um i guess i i guess i just looked uh and tried to find people that had cases that had the older um you know the older cards in it whether raw or uh or graded and got it um, yeah. So, so I, I apologize. Yeah. The other, the other thing I'll say. Go ahead. Oh no! You, you go ahead. I, I can hear you now. I think. Okay. Sorry. Um, I want to hear what you were about to say. Uh, if you could just put one. Uh, if you if allow me, just one second to say this. I totally thought when you said you went to the national that you went as a member of the public. You went to the national this year to set up as a dealer. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it was, um, it was, it was a little crazy. The whole, the way the whole thing came, it was pretty crazy. So I had booked an airplane ticket to go to the national to just shop and experience it. I had never been. And, um, on Facebook, there was a gentleman that had two booths and that his partner backed out on him and he kind of let us use a portion of one of his booths, um, and I, I won't, you know, say who it was because I, I think yeah. legally they're not supposed to yeah, some no, yeah, yeah. spaces Hush-hush. and such. Right, but right. Anyhow, it was uh, so we, yeah, so we we had this, you know. So I luckily had another good friend uh, that I've come to know that's a Massachusetts dealer that was driving his showcases out with a van, and he offered to drive my cases out and. Um, saved me a lot of money renting cases. And, yeah. you know, he is, is the type of guy that just, you know, I wanted to buy him lunch. I wanted to buy him dinner. I wanted to do something. Yeah. He, and he refused. The only thing he said to me was, you know, someday if you, you know, you come upon a collection that you can't work with or it's not mm-hmm. your forte, you know, just, just pass the lead on to me. And what and he said, you know, what goes around comes around. We take care of the good people. And so it, um, yeah, so we so we ended up. Uh, I only had already had flights from Tuesday to Saturday, so I I didn't really get to stay through Saturday, all of Saturday and Sunday. So it was, um, man, just wild. I mean, I met um, actually one, some of my bigger sales were to a, a big Celtics fan from Australia. <laughs> it was just, 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 and just crazy that he was. It turns out to be a big Bob Cousy fan and a big Bill Russell fan, and he. You know, I was just sitting there and he's shooting the breeze, of course, with the, you know, his accent yeah. <laughs> and he's buying, you know, these cards for me. It was, 
and uh, yeah, gentleman from California, a couple of guys, a real nice guy from Canada. I mean, it was, and then the the one guy that you know, the gentleman that we might work together was, you know, turns out we're in Chicago, but he, he went to Holy Cross. So my college where I work now, I, I was an alum there. He yeah. happened to be an alum there, and you know, so oh, you go to Holy Cross, and you know, kind of led to oh, that's so funny, small world, and then. Uh, he's supposed to be, I'm supposed to meet him at the show on one of the Saturday or Sundays. He's supposed to come up. So, so we'll see. So it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's wild, small world stuff. And then I, one of those 55 sets I ended up selling to him. So it kind of helped, you know, hopefully if I <laughs> worked a good deal for him, hopefully it'll kind of, I can maybe help him sell some of the extra stuff that he, uh, he has. So We'll see, but it, the bottom line is just a lot of fun. It's kind of exciting and um, looking forward to the weekend, mainly meeting new people and, you know, strengthening existing kind of relationships and, you know, hopefully developing some new ones. So, I wonder how an Australian person says Wooster. It's like I can't even get the Australian <laughs> accent down right now, but or or ever. Um, no, but that's that's really interesting. I mean you just said a lot there that i that i love um it was it was such an international i mean kudos i i met a, a good amount of australian people from other countries uh especially korea and australia and i'm like man to to get to the national uh i mean talk about you know travel costs and lodging and all that i mean there it's just so much time jet lag and all that i mean that what that's just fantastic so you actually dealt at the national and you've and you were never at the national before so you really were thrown into the fire you were just like completely i mean <laughs> wow I, I don't even have word i don't want to put words in your mouth but yeah. that, that's just amazing no <laughs> no i know and even like it, it was um yeah i mean it was crazy you know long days and just you know i think one day we had a pretzel for lunch or something <laughs> Yeah, peanut butter sandwich and oh, um, and um, yeah, and then and just met um, you know and and then another gentleman I met named Pat. I mean, ended up you know we have already done a couple of deals since then, and he actually sent me a text today that he just got some Type One photos um, back from PSA, and he had you know some really nice stuff that ended up getting Type One, and he was you know, you just called me yesterday just to like share the good news <laughs> and such. And he's, you know, he's again, a real street shooter, like, you know, good guy. And um, yeah. And it's, and I'll say one other thing about like connection and stuff that, you know, so I started working at Rotman's when I was 14 years old and um, it turns out that the guy I worked for his name was Jeff and he and I reconnected like three years ago when I got back into the hobby and he's, kind of served as a sort of a mentor uh, for me because he's stayed in the hobby the entire time. He's been uh, doing it for, you know, probably 40 years now. And, um, and uh, he's just been a, yeah, a resource in terms of, you know, have a question or even at the national, he let me borrow one of the big zippered Tyvek bags to lock up my case. Cause I hadn't, I mean, literally, you know, didn't have any, um, security <laughs> just you know locking systems and he he ended up uh had a friend that was selling some cases a retired gentleman so i bought the display cases so he um so i did give him a shout out too and he'll, he'll be at the at the show this weekend and he uh I, this this show is hard to get into so there's a as it goes a hundred 
person waiting list to get tables because um, it's such a well-attended show. And um, he offered to like, you know, let me use some of his space if I didn't get in and such. So it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, so you think about someone I met when I was 14 years old and now I'm like, you know, going to be 50 next year. And it's, he's still like, you know, a friend and a, a you know, mentor of sorts. So it's kind of, it's wild how things uh, happen like that. Wow. Uh, you said his name was uh, Pat. Shout out to Pat. Uh, this one was Jeff. So the I, Jeff. Jeff, Pat oh, right, was from right. the National. Jeff, yeah, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Weisenberg's his name. He um, he has his own little company uh, called National uh, Sports Card Investors, and he does auctions and does you know um, he'll be at the show selling selling such. So All right, Jim. You're, yeah, you're, just I mean, just. I was going to jokingly ahead. interrupt and say, you're allowed only two plugs, not three. Okay. Just oh, two. sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was in our terms of our contract when we uh, locked you up for this uh, podcast. Okay. No. Sorry. Jeff Weisenberg. <laughs> shout out, Jeff. I hope you're listening to this. Your, your friend is so fun to talk to. I can't believe we're already at the 45 minute mark. I, whether I'm a guest or a host, yeah. time just flies uh, in these podcast recordings. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, you mentioned Holy Cross. So, and you are definitely of the age, you know, like a little bit older than me when it comes to uh, the early Internet days with uh, Boston. I mean, you 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 and I have not talked about this, but surely you have read Bill Simmons. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, he was. Yeah. I mean, he was he graduated a few years ahead of me. I think uh, I graduated in 96. I think he was like 90 one or 93 or something from holy cross yeah he was like his like he had a little column in the um just in the crusader that was our like uh the college newspaper and um yeah then he went to espn and now he's got the the ringer and the whole i mean it's just I, yeah i love crazy, his writing uh, i absolutely loved his writing i thought he, he he made me laugh so much and and then he stopped. I mean, I, I have two copies of the book of basketball. You know, one's hardcover. I got him to sign it uh, back when it came out, mm -hmm. like the you know mid two thousands. And then I got the soft cover uh, that you know had the the updated pyramid and all this. And even before that, everything he wrote, I, just, I I consumed it. I loved it so much. And then and then he stopped writing. And then he did things like this podcasts. And I just really missed that because yeah, yeah. you know when it comes to content, we always think about uh, audio or video content we don't really think about writing as a, as a content medium yeah no no it's true yeah yeah so yeah it's funny i mean it was yeah when his blog you know way back when i was the i think it was called the boston sports guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's kind of yeah it's just funny how how it's you know how it took off and uh yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's, you know, so I guess you get, you get to do what you like and then you're good at it. Eventually you end up being, uh, successful usually. So, yes. Um, I'll never know that. So no worries for me. Okay. So moving on. Um, I know you had some questions here about, uh, you know, where, where do you find your cards and collectibles? I think, you know, we talked about the local shows and the connections that you have. Uh, you did say that you wanted to yeah. share a story about buying a raw, and I got to know more about this, Jim. Like this is again, I I don't know much vintage, but a forty-eight Bowman George Mikan rookie. You bought that raw at a local card show. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this was uh, maybe a couple months ago, 
so there's actually a really, I, I, I'll just, a really good local card show in um, uh, like 45 minutes from here, Dedham. And I was set up there as a dealer, had a little extra space. So I set up and I just quickly went around the room and I saw our, I saw our fellow dealer talking to another dealer, showing him a stack of uh, cards. And then he, he had in the car, in the stack, he had uh, he actually had a 48 leaf uh, Jackie Robinson. And then he had this 48 Bowman Mike, George Mikan rookie. And um, so the Mike and the two of the corners on the Mike were a little bit kind of worn Um and almost like, you know, in kind of in the corners were rough, but the rest of the card was really, had really great registration. It was really bright. And um, he wanted $2,000 for the card. And I ended up negotiating down from there and, <laughs> and, you know, ended up buying the card, which I was, I was maybe 95% sure that it wasn't a reprint based on some of the uh, attributes of it. So it, because the corner was missing, uh, you could see the pulp, so the type of paper they were using in the 40s and 50s had a very high, like a pulp content, so that you mm -hmm. can almost see the fibers. Um, so I, I, I took a risk, and um, and he seemed like a legitimate dealer, and he had a lot of other vintage such uh, things, and uh, sent it to SGC. And uh, luckily, you know, a couple weeks later, it gotten. Uh, it ended up being authentic. Not, it didn't get a number grade because of the two corners were uh, were, were missing on it. But um, for an authentic uh, mic, and it's a uh, you know, I think the last PSA authentic that had it had four pieces of tape around it on top of it that I think it did something like four thousand bucks back in May. So it's um, so I, I did okay, you know, for the for the uh, card, and I'll I'll probably bring it to the. Um, to the show and see, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give it away, but if someone else is, you know, interested, I'll potentially have it available and do a trade or, you know, and then hopefully turn that into something else, you know, maybe buy another koozie card or something, something like that. So. Yeah. Well, you know, that type of card, I feel like, again, like, you know, do with uh, this, what you will, but like for you to be able to just share that you bought this card for two grand, you took the chance, you took the risk and it came back authentic, but Again, uh, if a PSA authentic sold for 4K, I mean, you know, whatever the person wants to buy it for, you know, they'll, they'll give you the offers. But, I mean, that's that's open and honest. You know, you bought it for 2K. You took a chance on it. You graded it. There's grading costs that comes with that as well. And for you to be able to, you know, hopefully this turns out to be a good story and it goes to someone who who really wants it. If they don't, I mean, you get to have it. And that's that's so awesome that you that yeah. you have that in your collection you took a chance now i i joke a lot but i did want to ask like does the, when you bought this card did you like try to smell it because i know these vintage cards definitely have uh, from what i've heard people you know if they're not slabbed that they actually have a, a distinct smell yes yep so that is actually one of the one of the the techniques so i did um so I did smell it. Um, I did also have a loop, so like a magnifying um, uh, little magnifying device. And then what I did do is I, I knew another dealer there that had some common uh, 48 Bowman cards. And then I had uh, a couple of slabbed 48 Bowman, like non-big, you know, moderate cards. So I was kind of comparing the coloration and the, the print and the the registration under the loop and then 
Um, I asked a couple of dealers that I trusted. I, I did smell it. It smelled old and and just, you know, but the, the, the one thing that made me nervous is that the colors um, were very bright. Like it was, a, it has a, you know, the color of the card has a blue background and like some red. And it was like for the, for the age of the card, it was kind of abnormally bright. And I mm. sent a couple of pictures to a couple of friends as well that I trust in the hobby. And they, mm. you know, they were, they were less certain because, in the, and that was one of the things they said, wow, it seems really like bright, really crisp, yeah. almost like, you know, yeah. makes you nervous. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I took a risk and uh, luckily, you know, ended up, um, yeah, paid off whether I keep it or, or not. Cause I couldn't, yeah. you know, at this point couldn't buy the same card on the open market for that. So. Right. Absolutely. So I love that you crowdsource that information. I think it's so important to have a wide network so that you can, get a diverse range of opinions and so uh you know kudos for you for having built that network so you could you could ask more than just one or two people but for a big purchase like that i, I mean i feel like for like a hundred dollar card if it's raw i'll like talk to several people about it so um you know again great <laughs> well, job. yeah no i was yeah. Yeah, yeah no i was nervous <laughs> yeah so uh, speaking about grading, uh, you know, I don't want to turn this into a grading. Uh, we're already at like the 50 minute mark. And again, the time is just flying by. But I did want to ask you, in your personal opinion, for vintage ba basketball, what is the biggest attribute or what's the most important subgrade out of the four subgrades to you? Or if you want to rank all four, like what's the most important down to the least important to you? Um, for for me, I think this is just a personal preference. Like I I um, and I think it goes into card appeal. Like I I find that like centering, I I personally value the highest. Um, so I've I've like joked with people before that I'd I'd rather like a really well centered like PSA four or five that has maybe like touched corners or maybe a little bit of surface imperfection or, you know, but if it looks centered to me, like in the presentation of the card, I feel like that comes across strongest to me. Um, then I would probably do the corners next, just because when we were growing up, it was all, you know, I felt like everything was all about the corners and does it have sharp corners? Yeah. And then, you know, probably like the, I guess the register, uh, I don't know if registration would be kind of part of the surface, um, the surface. Um, so I think that would be my, my ranking. And I, I, I have not done a lot with Beckett in terms of like the subgrades and such um, mm -hmm. in terms of like the different categories and such. But I, I feel like for me, I can live with, you know, a little bit of surface imperfection or you know a little bit of a touch corner but if the if it's well centered and it has good um you know, clarity i guess too is um i know that's not a technical thing that that mm -hmm. certain companies go grade with but uh whereas i've seen like in the 61 fleer there's i've seen like grades of like a six that are like to me like woefully off-centered and that mm. people want you know pretty high money for like oscar robinson rookie for example that's like off-center and it's a six and I, like to me i'd rather have a four <laughs> with like softish corners that is like perfectly centered than uh than a six that has you know perfect surface perfect corners perfect registration but it's you know 80 20 or something or 70 30 yeah like, but that's there are cards like that and that's just i think a personal 
preference to me. It's more of like how I, you know, look at step back and look at the card. Absolutely. So I have two offshoot questions from that, but I did want to say as, as someone who didn't literally did not own a slab this time last year, maybe not this time last year, but like this time plus three months of last year, um, I edges, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like really, I remember corners as a kid. I remember, you know, centering being important, but you know, a lot of the nineties basketball cards didn't have like borders. They just, they just were borderless, you know, uh, full, uh, photography mm -hmm. through the entire card, but I totally get what you mean uh, when it comes to the centering. And so, I, I did want to ask you. Oh, and clarity. You know, um, fading is a, is a fifth subgrade that actually they're not a sponsor, and but I will shout them out. C three grading. They have a fifth subgrade for um, uh, for uh, not clarity or color. Yeah, fading, which is really interesting. You know, it, it's it's uh, oh, yeah. it's interesting that they do that. Um, but for centering for you, what's more important, top, bottom, or left, right, or, you know, horizontal, not horizontal, vertical, but you know what I mean? Like when you, when we yeah. say 70, 30, we're really kind of saying like, you know, uh, it's heavier on the left versus the right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's heavier on the top versus the bottom. You know, of course there's also 30, 70 and things like that. But to you, yeah. again, no wrong answers here, just your personal preference. What is yeah. more important to you? Uh, yeah, I think the side to side is more important. I feel like like visually, if a card is centered side to side, I can live with the top to the bottom. And I, in my mind, I almost mm -hmm. imagine that it was like the style of the card to have a high, you know, a higher, oh. a low top border. Whereas yeah. like when it's side to side, it just looks it just looks off to me. So we're, I don't know. I think it's a perception or a personal preference, but like, um, you know, I think of like 61 Fleer where it has, you know, very distinct uh, borders. And then if side to side is okay, it, I feel like the top to the bottom isn't as, doesn't distract from the card as much because mm -hmm. I feel like when it's, especially there's certain cards like the Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, uh, uh, Wilt Chamberlain to some extent, but there, there's certain cards that, based on their position in the sheet, they tend to be more miscut than others. Um, mm -hmm. And to me, if it's really bad left to right, either direction, I feel like it just really detracts from the like the take home card appeal to me. So I, gotcha. um, you know, like I just recently bought a, a 61 Jerry West. Uh, card that's almost perfectly centered and pretty sharp corners. It has a print defect in the color in the bottom and the orange part. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I it's a PSA seven. So if it was didn't have a print defect, it would probably be an eight, and I couldn't afford it. So, wow. <laughs> so to yeah, me, it's almost yeah. like a blessing that it had right. a, had a little dot to me that's like not a not a, a deal breaker so to speak. yeah yeah not, not that it was cheap at a seven but it was, <laughs> it was manageable no that's awesome so uh when it comes to so so the second option question i had was you've you've mentioned this term before and i thought i knew what it was but i think maybe i don't uh when you were talking about service you said registration so could you could you kind of explain to not even the listeners just me <laughs> like when you say registration of a card oh. like, what, what do you mean 
so I th as I understand it, um, it has to do with the like the clarity of uh, the the image that's used, mm -hmm. and uh, some of the vintage cards will have like different layers to them too. So they'll have um, just for an example, like the '61 Fleer. They have the colored background, and then they mm -hmm. in the printing process they superimposed another image of the player. And if it's if it has good registration and, and clarity, that that image is aligned with the color. So there are certain times when the when the card is printed where the image is just slightly off center, and you'll see like a white, almost like a white halo around the image of the person. Uh, yeah, yeah I and there's that. a little gap between the image and the color. Um, mm -hmm. So it's. I, I kind of refer to that as like the registration. I guess it's related to the clarity. Like if it's a little bit out of focus, like mm -hmm. sometimes during the printing process, there are cards that, um, and I think back in the forties and fifties and, and um, sixties, the, the, the quality control obviously <laughs> even now is not great, but it was even less so, um, so that, and even for the, in the registration, like on this 57 tops basketball. So like the Bill Russell uh, rookie card, mm -hmm. that card often has um, like print defects, you know, little fish eyes. And then also mm -hmm. um, what they call it snow. It, it has a, yeah. most of the cards have a dark background yeah. and it has like this white, um, almost like it looks like a white uh, imperfections in the, uh, Someone had told me it had to do with the sheets not being dry before they stacked them up after oh, they came wow. out of the printer and such. So that, yeah. so to me, like there's an image of Bill Russell, and if it, like to me, if I think of registration and clarity, if the image is clear yeah. and it doesn't have that white snow or print spots, then it, mm -hmm. I feel like it's. But of course, to get cards that you know from the 50s and 60s that have in 48, you know, registration, centering, color, <laughs> good corners, it's kind of a uh, you know certainly a challenge. So yeah, no, I I um yeah, so I gotta say I had a now I, I don't know what year it is now, but maybe like a 72, 73. I don't have it in my hand. I have a tall boy of a 70, 71. It's harder hard to show because. Yeah. Um, I have a superimposed, but it's the Luau Sindor Kareem Abdul Jabbar with a yellow okay. background. It's a it's a tall boy. But oh, um yeah, I, have have a, I have it, I have a Kareem. Cool yeah, no, I love it. It's SGC four. Uh the um the raw card I have of Kareem later in the seventies, which I can't find right now off the top of my head, but um it has almost like a snowy snowflakes thing in the background where you know, I, um, I I like to call that the the winter edition. <laughs> like you know, like NBA hoops has like winter <laughs> and like the sweaters and you know. But um, now that now it makes sense. Uh, the printing uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, dried, and I, I thought you know I, I definitely knew it was a surface issue. I just didn't know that what the reason was. But that's so awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me with us that, that, well that's what someone and i th yeah that's what they had said so yeah so it's um yeah well i so, i just before we go ahead yeah well i i wanted to say we're at the one hour mark and i know that um in in the notes here you you 
thought maybe we could uh, open up some wax, but I know you're like trying to find a Wi-Fi signal. You're, I think you're literally holding the laptop in your hands, walking around the house. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to open any packs. Would you agree? No. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. That was like, uh, I think if it went, everything went smoothly, maybe, you know, maybe some <laughs> other time in the future or something, maybe. we can, uh, we can do that again as like a shorter, uh, guest spot or something. Right. Maybe we'll have to have you on or, or you'll just have to win another giveaway at my, uh, <laughs> 7,000 followers or whatever it is. I don't know if I'll be doing this again. I actually did a real giveaway and uh, it, it got some actual real number of people, like literally hundreds of people who want this uh, prototype Michael Jordan card. So, um, so uh, oh, wow. I don't know if you've entered in for that, but um, what's called that, that, that was, that was done with my, again, not sponsors, but shout out to arena club. Uh, they gave me a, a credit to be able to buy a 1990s hoops prototype 00 michael jordan psa 10 and we know that psa 10 jordans are really wow. hard to come by so uh bought it at the chantilly yeah. show from a dealer and um literally a few hundred people have entered and i'm like i don't know what to like i can't put all these names in a duck race i'll have to figure out what to do but uh for you to win this <laughs> wonderful i do want to get you out on this one question yeah. um and and it's it's a great question because you wrote it and I already know what you're gonna say only a snippet because you just kind of gave me a little teaser but I want to get you out on the question that you wanted me to ask which is where is the strangest place you met to do a card or wax box deal? Oh yes, yeah. So uh, hopefully the signal lasts this last bit. So so I had my craziest spot was at like on a Thursday night. Um, I met a, a friend of mine uh, at a Wendy's on Route 9 in Framingham and did like a cash deal that was um, oh god it was it was uh, it was a lot of money <laughs> it was into the thousands and I four bought figures. a Star okay. Wars four figures Star Wars series uh, wa one wax box and. Um, and my kids like thought it was outrageous that I was like meeting this person that I kind of knew a little bit at the time, but didn't know that well. And um, it um, there was a, apparently there's a my wife was a big Motley Crue fan growing up, and there's um, there's a song like Doctor Feelgood, and in the song there, there's some line about. Uh, Rat-tailed Jimmy goes down to the hood and he's selling things out of the back of his car, the trunk of his car or something. Yeah. So, so there's a time that my uh, family has been referring to me as Rat-tailed rat Jimmy as uh, like as if I'm dealing drugs or something out of the back of my vehicle. So, <laughs> so, you know, but it worked out. It was I got the box and uh, yeah, it was all good. <laughs> Jim, if you are uh at all some at all like brian cranston from breaking bad um you would you would fit the bill like uh just uh hey you know i'm just a <laughs> middle you know i'm just a middle-aged dad just a suburban you know i yeah i got i got i got the goods in the back of the car right here so um thanks for sharing that so like can i ask you star wars series one what year is that from uh, that's from 1977. So that, wow. um, was like the first wax packs, uh, when the movie first came out, basically that's wild. A, um, 66 card set. So they, um, like Luke Skywalker, they consider like his first card issue rookie cards. 
is that is that the 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 product hit or the chase is the luke skywalker i'm I'm sure there's no you know like the cards from that time there's no parallels there's no case hits but the luke skywalker and and then i'm guessing the darth vader those are the one and two i think so i know luke is the one i think like han solo has one and i think um ben uh i think ben kenobi uh so but the I, I don't know if it ended, but there was a PSA 10 Luke Skywalker number one from 77 that was, uh, I think it was an REA auction. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I the number was just crazy, like 100,000 or something like 70,000, wow. something like that. It's wow. Like, just because, you know, I, very low, yeah, very low pop in a, in a PSA 10, yeah. Plug number four. I don't know the R- exact R- number. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, like Robert that, yeah. this episode was, was sponsored a, by Robert Edwards Auctions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. That wasn't intentional. No, I know, I know. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. But that wow, hundred grand or seventy grand for a uh, Luke Skywalker something like that. It was it was silly and it had like a yeah. So I yeah. So it uh, yeah. So so that and it's not it is not bad odds because. There's only 66 cards in the set, and I think there's seven or eight cards in the pack. So you have like a one, you know, if even a regular Luke, I think a seven or an eight, an eight might be 500 bucks or something. So, but so it's, you know, but it's, you know, you probably hit it and be off center and bad corners. <laughs> I see. Such, well, so, so I have to, I, I know I said I'm going to get you out on that question, but I have to ask you to follow up. Because I feel like some people listening really may be asking this, and I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. You you did not rip that wax, did you? Uh, no, no, that one, no, because that box that was the biggest at that time was the biggest expenditure I'd ever made um, mm-hmm. on a single item in my career. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was I was like sweating when I got home with that box because. Um, there's just so many people that are out there like reselling packs and such. So um, it had good provenance and um, the guy bought two boxes, one of which had already been uh, wrapped at, at uh, I won't mm-hmm. mention another company, but by wrapped by one of the Be- big uh, wax. Shout into, out BBCE. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> another sponsor. And, amazingly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and it ended up, um, I ended up uh, getting in touch with another person, uh, this gentleman, Kurt, who does a lot of vintage wax and he, he does his own company now too, but he ended up, I ended up selling it to him uh, because I was just, I had this panic of like the market crashing, like in the weeks following me buying this box. So I basically sold it to him as is he he invest you know he evaluated it he confirmed that it was legit and then i just i made you know some money but i didn't make it as much as if i had wrapped it and tried to sell it on my own i just kind of wanted to you know i guess that was my version of a relatively quick uh quick flip but i was given the money involved i was in like a i think i barely slept that night because i was visioning like if i somehow they were miss you know they were rewrapped i would have you know a pile of garbage for you know a four figure investment so, so it's uh yeah and it's it's there are people out there doing it so it's you know but anyhow so i got lucky and i again turns out you know i became good friends with the guy i bought it from and stuff so it's a nice one of those small and, world and you said and you so. said his name was kurt right 
Yeah, who who I sold it to? Yeah, Kurt. Well, Kurt hey, He's great. Um, this episode is now sponsored by Kurt's Card Care, where you can get all your card <laughs> care needs. Um, uh, and then of course I have to shout out Mr. Minty, uh, <laughs> just to make it even. Okay, so thank you so much for this wonderful podcast episode recording. Um, you know it's funny. Well, uh, you. you you just mentioned the Star Wars series one and. In my notes where you know you helped me talk about what you wanted to talk about today you were actually going to rip one of the 77 and now i see it 1977 star wars series one pack you have a pack we're not going to open it today because you're you're literally like uh old school it, it's almost this is like the <laughs> ultra modern version of trying to move the rabbit ears of the t- antenna to find the right signal in your on your tv <laughs> right your cathode cathode ray tube television right back when we were watching television right so um kudos to you for not dropping yeah, the laptop but um yeah you you yes, were going no, to rip no, open. All good. yeah i so how much does one pack go for uh so this pack so this pack was a 200 dollar pack so basically i um bought it from a gentleman on a Facebook group. That's like a vintage wax group that he, uh, he bought a box and then he ended up was singles. selling the packs out of the box. Wow. And, you know, you were going to rip open a $200 so he, pack. That's thank you. So for, basically, yeah. So, <laughs> Go ahead. yeah, so, so basically, um, so this is like how I got started in the hobby when I was like 15, 16, I would buy like, you know, 85 tops baseball or like 86 Don Ross looking for Conseco rookies and such. Mm-hmm. So it's, so to me, it's kind of like, it's like an experience and it's kind of like, um, you know, if I go to a show and I make 500 bucks or 600 bucks or whatever, if I make some money yeah, and then, I, I kind of like splurge. So I, yep, I got this cool. pack. So it's been sitting for six months probably. So I was kind of like, oh, this would be an opportunity, like, yeah. you know, kind of like fun, you know, rather than just do it by myself. But it, Jim, you know, maybe, when, we'll, maybe do we'll Maybe in the make. future. I, I got to say this. When I saw, yeah, you literally can't because you have your hands literally. Because yeah, then, the, yeah. It's, when I read your notes, when I saw, <laughs> Star Wars 77 Series 1 pack. I literally thought this was like junk wax. I was like, oh, he's going to open up like a $2 pack of cards. I'm like, okay, well, if he wants to, sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, whatever he's into, it's, he won the giveaway. But you were going to open up a $200 pack of cards. That's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for even having well, that faith in this. Yeah, no, it's it's all good. I mean, it's... um. So the the last one we did, my buddy Josh and I opened one at the Wilmington show in April. And so this is funny. So we, we bought a pack. A friend of mine sold it to me cheap. He gave it to me, I think, for like 100 bucks. And, um, mm-hmm. and we ripped it. We didn't get any big names, but he got a card that was really clean. And PSA had a, had a, a program a couple months back where you could do any Star Wars card for 15 bucks. Okay. He would grade it. So he ended up sending in a common that looked really clean and he got a nine and he sold the PSA nine common for like $190 because people, these fancy rich set builders want, you know, a whole set of PSA eight, nine, 10 or whatever. So, so it was kind of funny. So I just gave it to him because he helped me at the show. He helped me set up and break down my table and, you know, pack up my stuff. So, so it was again, like a win-win. We had fun. We were like, 
like little kids open this, this that's pack awesome like uh, a card so it's kind of that's that's kind of my my the idea behind it there so. i love it i i see you smiling i i see like i see so much joy i see the happiness and that's what it's about just having fun again you're building a great network up there i would love to come uh to worcester and uh check things out uh Jim, this is such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I had no clue what to expect, and I think you just uh, exceeded my expectations. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, I had a, I had fun here, even though I'm standing here. And I hope it, I hope it uh, translates okay, and it's not too jumpy when the when it gets recorded. But I, again, I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to uh, perusing it. And we'll definitely connect. I want to. Uh, try to hit that Chantilly show at some point in the future. So we'll definitely, if I make it down that way, I'll definitely, we'll definitely connect, uh, grab a bite or something. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jim. Have a good evening. Okay. Have a great night. Thanks again for your time. Okay. Peace out. <laughs>